All right, well, good morning. It's uh, really nice to be here with you, and I always get excited about coming here because to work with my son Nathan and Vicky and my grandkids and just the community that he's has grown around Nathan here, I'm just really blessed always to come here. You know, when Nathan was born, he was a kid I didn't know what to do with right from the get-go. So as soon as he came out, Nathan would play peekaboo with you. You know, he'd be coming out of the womb, and I'd be so excited. My first child, no idea how to be a dad. Oh, there he is. And then he's gone, he's gone again, you know. And then I wait, and there he was again. You know, black hair, black curly hair coming out, and gone again. And all of a sudden, he came out. And I panicked. I didn't know what to do. And I said, God, let him serve you all the days of his life. I have no idea what to do. You just, you know, raise him up in your way. <clears throat> and so I just had the sense to dedicate him to the Lord. Because none of us really know how to do this. You know, most of us have a hard time even living life one day at a time. You know, it's one of the greatest themes of 12-step programs is one day at a time. You know, we do this one day at a time. And I think that's the way we've God intended for us to do life, one day at a time. Amen? And if we just follow the light that he gives to us, you know, we can just go on this incredible adventure with God. And when I first started my adventure with the Lord, I was in total, total, total darkness. You know, and some of us know what it's like to be in depression, and some of us have been in deep depression. I was in a deep depression where I didn't even want to live anymore. And then when I heard Billy Graham, you know, talk about this gospel, it was an incredible light shined into my spirit, just hope. I didn't know what he meant, or I didn't even remember hardly what he said. But I do know every time I heard him after that, it was for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe on him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And I'm like, can it be that simple? Can it be that simple? Just no matter what mess you're in, no matter where you've come from, what you know, good things have happened or bad things have happened, we just be called out on him and things begin to change. Like that went into me, <clears throat> but that was the last hope that I had. It was a lifeline. And three or four days later, I just, in the darkest place in my life, I did not want to become a Christian. I didn't like what I'd seen of most Christians. But I did have a couple people in my history that shine like a light. And you all know who they are in your life. People that just have this love for Jesus and it, it, it emanates from them. They're kind. They have hope all the time. They have joy in their heart. I used to get so frustrated when I see believers have this incredible joy. I say, what is it? You know, how do you get that? How do you get that kind of a thing? And it wasn't until I finally prayed. God, you know, would you come into my life and reveal yourself to me in a way that I could know that I know? And then I made him a promise. It was just, God, if you'll reveal yourself to me in a way that I can know for me, I'll follow you the rest of my life. And I had no idea, but that was what you call a covenant with God. And when you make a covenant with him, he'll hold you to it. And I'm so glad I made that promise. And if you've never done that, I want to encourage you. If you're just unsure, even if he existed, I really didn't know. And the religion that I'd seen was very abusive up until that time. It wasn't very attractive. And I almost missed the glory of God because of my perception of what I thought religion was. <clears throat> Don't miss him for what's been, how he's been portrayed to you. And so when I prayed, Lord, if you reveal yourself to me, reveal, and that means an inner revealing so that you know that you know within your own heart. And when I woke up the next day and I had this knowing that something had changed. It was so solid, right out of a dark, dark life, I just knew that somehow something had changed. And it really had. And what I didn't realize was this mysterious presence of God came into my life overnight. Because when I prayed, I didn't feel anything. And I'm sure many of you have prayed and invited Christ to come in. You didn't feel anything. Because you didn't really know him yet. You didn't know what he came to do for you yet. And I had no idea. But I'll tell you, when I woke up the next day after a sincere prayer... 
You know, I'd prayed many times, God, get me out of this jam and I'll follow you. I'm not talking about that kind of a covenant. That's not really a covenant. That just get me out of the jam I'm in and I'll go and do what I want and I'll come back later, you know. <clears throat> I did that a couple of times. He got me out of the jam I was in and I went right back to doing what I was doing. But this time I knew it was different. I meant it. I was in prison in here long before I ended up behind the walls of Dorchester Prison. I was in a prison in my mind and I needed out of this prison. And I said, God, if you can reveal yourself to me, in a way that I could just know I will follow you. And I meant it. And I knew I meant it. And I knew it was different than any other time I prayed. And he heard that prayer. And I wake up the next day, and I'm just at, at peace from head to foot. No idea what to do with it. No idea what it was. No idea I'd just been born again. I didn't even know what born again was. All I know is for two weeks, this presence was hovering about me, and I just kept saying, please come, keep coming. Whatever you're doing, this is good. I knew it was good. And I just kept like, learning to do this. And what I was learning to do was welcome him. It was a welcoming that I would do with the Lord every day when I wake up. Please, please don't leave. That's what I'd say to him. Because I hadn't read in the Bible yet that once he comes in, he'll never leave you or forsake you. He comes in to do a work, and he wants to continually reveal himself to us. Amen? So I'm going to share with you a passage this morning that's really come to mean an incredible amount to me. And I've been pondering it the whole time I've been here. I've been reading this, and I believe it's for some here this morning. And I want to just ask, could we do an exercise before we start? <clears throat> could we just close our eyes just for a minute? Just close your eyes and get comfortable. Just you and God. So you're not aware of the person beside you or in front of you. Just you and the Lord. And so, Father, I just pray, Lord, as our eyes are shut and we're not seeing anything around us, let us not be aware of even who's sitting beside us at this moment. We would sincerely call upon you that you would come in and reveal yourself to us. And I just want to leave it just for a, a few, few seconds that you in your own heart just say, Lord, would you speak to me today? Would you personally speak to me in a way that I can know? And if you'll reveal yourself to me in a way that I can know for myself, I will follow you. I will follow what I know to be true. And just go ahead. He hears you. He's right here. Maybe you've never done this before, but I'm telling you, something will begin to happen in your life. This mysterious presence of God will begin to reveal his truth as a light in your spirit, in your emotions, in your mind, in your sexuality, in the entirety of your being. And if you're hesitating at all, I encourage you, just, if there's no one there, no one's going to answer you. But if he is there, and you ask him, he'll come and show you his truth. We welcome you, Lord. We welcome you. In Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> so really, that's what I've learned to do on a regular basis these last 40 years. It's working for me. So I just want to pass on to you what has really been working, something solid. And this passage was one that I began to read shortly after I had come to faith. And I would read it again and again and again. And you're going to see why in a few minutes. And Lord, I do pray, Father, as we read this scripture, that you illuminate our entire beings, illuminate our, uh, our minds, our spirit. Lord, that we'll sense you speaking to us in a way that's so beautiful, so mysterious, and so very real to our spirit, that we'll drink in your word. And I pray, Lord, you banish any resistance here in this room in Jesus' name. We reject all interference from the enemy's kingdom, and we welcome your kingdom of light to come into this place, into our lives. Through your word, in Jesus' name, amen. He says, this is Apostle Paul. <clears throat> By the way, he was one of the most uh, 
violent men against the Christian faith in his day. We see a lot of violent things happening in the earth today. Let's pray for a revelation of God for everybody involved. Amen. We're praying for Israel. Jesus taught us to pray for our enemies. Right? We pray that God brings revelation to the people who need it because that's what transforms us. So Paul was one who had an encounter and he went on to, to say this. When I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you, the, tell you God's secret plan. And whenever I read that word secret, don't you like to know secrets? Right? There's something in us that wants to know the secrets. Well, what about the secrets of the heavenly plan? God's purpose for you. And for your family. You know, maybe you've seen darkness in your family, in your culture. And if we become a people that's asking God to reveal his secret plan to wage war against the enemy of darkness, I believe he's going to pour an incredible creativity in many of us to go about doing what he's called us to do. And Jesus is going to be appearing in the streets of Thunder Bay through believers. Amen? Because how many know he's here? He's not just we're going there. He's here to those who believe. Amen? So he says, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. And he says, I I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling, and my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. And I've determined this is how I want to live my life. Not as a great intellectual or really smart man or good at really better than everybody else at what I do. I just want to learn to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. Because it's through Him that lives are changed, right? It's not through any self-effort. How many of you have gone out and tried to win your friends and family and tell them about Jesus and you run into some pretty severe walls, right? You can't do it in your own power. You have no ability to change someone else's will. God gave us all a free will, and people get the right to choose. But attraction works way better than pressure. Amen? How many have ever been pressured into religious things? How many have ever felt pressured at times in your life? Right? How would you feel about that? Not so great. It didn't work the way that people intended. A magnet pushing with power against another magnet just repels it. Right? it magnets show us that. You, push, you go in with power, and you push back. You push back. You push back. We can't force Jesus or the kingdom of God on anybody. But if you're living it, and you're walking in this incredible light, people are watching, and they're drawn. Even mosquitoes and flies are drawn to the light. You ever sit in your sun porch, and you open up the door for your dogs to go in and out, and all of a sudden it's filled with mosquitoes? Why are they coming in? Because there's light in there. They're drawn to the light, right? People in darkness, they're drawn to the light. I had two people in my life that I was drawn to the light that was in them long before I ever became a Christian. And that's what told me, even though I hated religion, that there was something more for some people who understood what they were walking in. There was a couple of people that were just like that light, and every time I look at them, I see this glow. They had something on the inside. I just didn't know how to get it. So I went out into all the world trying to find it through getting high on drinking and drugs and relationships, and went and looked for love and, and, and that experience in all the wrong places. How many of you can relate to that? You looked in all the wrong places because you were rejecting the light. Because maybe it was portrayed in a very poor way at a certain time in your life. So Paul, he realizes that and he says, I come in weakness and fear and in trembling. And this is how he stepped out of his comfort zone to step into the lives of other people. He didn't do it because he was great at it. He didn't do it because he felt like he could do it. 
He just knew the message that he found. He knew he needed to get that message out to others. And so he stepped out in fear and trembling. And my first couple of times getting up to preach in the chapel, I would tremble and shake and hyperventilate. I couldn't even get the words out of me. I was so, you know, you got 50 people sitting in chairs and you got 100 eyes all looking at you. Right? That's intimidating for anybody. But I learned to, to rely as I grew on this presence of the Lord. And he's amazing. His presence is an absolutely stunning presence when you begin to feel his presence. It's very highly addictive. I want to warn you that. There's an addiction out there that's highly addictive, and it's okay to get high. It's okay to be intoxicated. It's okay to be inebriated on the presence of the Lord. Amen? Why is everybody all over the world looking for that ultimate high? Because we're created for that. We really are. And so Paul says, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so you would not trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. God doesn't want us trusting in the, in the intellects of men. I remember when I first <clears throat> started reading the Bible, I had a grade 8 education, and it was a King James Bible, written at a grade 11 reading level, plus all of these and the thous and withers and thithers, all that stuff that was in it, right? And so I'm reading this, and I'm not, I'm not grasping it all. And so I got my hands on a dictionary. And I'd read the Bible, and when I didn't understand a word, I'd look the word up in the dictionary. And I was getting incredible insights out of the Webster's Dictionary. Because I was seeking the Lord, and then I found out some of the meanings in the Bible were, were uh, uh, described differently than what my understanding was. And I'll, give you, I'll give you an example. Nathan and I were talking the other day about the coming of Jesus. Much of the church is waiting for this great coming of Jesus, and they're just waiting to escape out of here by the skin of our teeth. And yet, to the believer, Jesus is here. Right? Isn't that a mystery? We're waiting for him, but to a believer, Jesus is here. He's in your spirit. He's among us. But yet many people miss that. Doctrines can keep us from experiencing the kingdom of God here and now. And so anyway, I'm reading this about the coming of Jesus. And Rose brought it up. My wife brought it up this weekend. She's Cal. So always bothered me. How, how do you take that scripture where Jesus is going to come back? His feet are going to touch a mountain in Israel. And every eye is going to see him. How can that be? How, if, it's, if it's a physical coming... If it's just that, how is every eye going to see him? If he is in Jerusalem, how are you going to see him from here? How is the man in a dungeon in Africa going to see the coming of Jesus? And the Bible says every eye will see him, right? And so I, I'm, I'm curious about this. And I look up in the dictionary, the word clouds. He's coming through the clouds. And the Webster's Dictionary, I wish I had brought it today, it said clouds are multitudes of God's people. And I'm like, What? Jesus is coming through the multitudes of God's people. And I just saw this revelation all over the earth that every time someone's born again, their community sees Jesus, whether they're in the light or not. Right? Have you noticed that when someone comes to Jesus and they're on fire, everybody's watching them? Oh, yeah, we'll see how long this lasts because of his background. You know, we'll see how long this lasts. You said this before. And everybody's watching to see if there's a true manifestation of a relationship with Christ. And for those that continue to walk in Jesus, they become a witness to their whole community. Every time a believer is born again, Jesus is being seen through the clouds of his people. He's coming through the clouds. But spiritually, he's coming now. He may come very literally at the very end, but whatever's happening in the literal is also happening simultaneously in the spirit realm. Have you ever noticed that? As you grow as a believer, whatever you've seen in the natural is just as true in the spirit realm. You know, the whole Jewish community, 
was focused on the temple of God. First, it was the tabernacle in the wilderness. Then it was the temple, a literal place. And when the temple was built, the last piece was put in the temple, the glory of God came down so powerfully amongst men that the priest couldn't even stand up. He manifested himself on the earth in, in, in the bodies and presence of real people, and they couldn't even stand for the glory of God. And the Jews got very focused on that temple. Right now it's a big argument you know, in the Middle East. Is the temple going to be rebuilt where the mosque is and all that? People are so focused on that and not realizing that every time a believer comes to Christ, God is building his temple. We are the temple of God. But how do we walk with that conscious awareness that wherever we go, we're the temple of God inviting people into this place of worship. When Jesus met the Samaritan woman, and she said, you know, you Jews say you worship in Jerusalem, we worship here. And Jesus says you worship what you don't know. But he says the true worshipers will worship the Father, how? In spirit and in truth. And nobody can take that away from me. You can lock me up in a dungeon for my faith. I'm still going to be worshiping God. You can take my tongue out. And I'm still going to be worshiping God. Because we worship him in spirit and in truth. Is God concerned that an Antichrist figure is going to come and stand in a physical temple of stone one day and say, I'm, I'm, I'm the Messiah? Or is he more concerned that he's coming to deceive the people of God and keep us from really knowing who we are and what we're capable of? I believe that's the work of the enemy. That Antichrist spirit, and John said, you've heard that Antichrist is coming, singular, you've heard that Antichrist is coming, but I tell you even now, there are many Antichrists in the earth. Antichrist spirit has always been here. How many of you are harassed in your minds sometimes and bombarded? Seriously. If you're a believer, how many of you are, are harassed in your minds? None of you? A couple. I'll tell you, I used to get bombarded continually. And then finally, I remember reading a scripture that God inhabits the praises of his people. And so whenever a battle would hit me, I'd just go into praising God. And guess what? The enemy would disappear. He doesn't like to hear the sound of Jesus being exalted. He hates it. So the biggest battle we have against the Antichrist spirit is worshiping God, becoming a true worshiper of the living God. Amen? That is our defense. You don't have to go into battles that you don't have to fight. Jesus, we were singing about it today, Jesus conquered those battles. We're fighting a battle that he's already won. Jesus has won the battle for your soul. So if you begin to exalt him and praise him, you're not thinking about temptation while you're doing that. You're not lusting for someone else while you're thinking that. When you're worshiping God, you're entering into this holy presence. And the Bible says we're all, it's, it's open to all of us. The curtain that separated the people from the Holy of Holies was torn from top to bottom when Jesus was crucified. When Jesus came, he was the, he was the cornerstone of a whole new temple, a whole new kingdom for believers to walk into. And I believe, as, you, as we go on here, he said, and when I am among mature believers, I do speak with words of wisdom. There is a language that we can speak in the Holy Spirit where we're sharing spiritual truths, we're understanding, we're growing, that maybe a, a, someone that's not in the faith wouldn't grasp. And as we grow and develop, you're going to hear things and share things that some people are going to really rejoice with you. That's called fellowship. With believers, we can share these spiritual truths. He says, I do speak with words of wisdom, but not the kind of wisdom that belongs to this world or to the rulers of this world who are soon forgotten. No, the wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God. There's a mysterious presence where God just wants to be enjoyed by us at all times. And you know, the older I get, 
the more I really don't care about what's happening around me in the world. I don't care about being, you know, 75 grades of, of high school. <laughs> Most of you probably don't either. But you know what? Learning all those things are, are good and helpful. But the better learning is learning to know him. To enter into walking with him on a daily basis. To enjoying the presence of God. And learning to be enjoyed by his presence. He loves us. Have you really contemplated that? How much he loves you? Instead of trying to do things so he'll love us. He loves us. God gave us everything. And here he goes on to say here. No, the wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God. His plan that was previously hidden, even though he made it for our ultimate glory, before the world began. But the rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had, they would not have crucified our glorious Lord. That is what the scripture means when they say, it is one of my favorite scriptures, I'll tell you, it's beautiful. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. You ponder that for a minute. No eye has seen, and we've seen some beautiful things on the earth, haven't we? There's some beautiful things. Outside of sin, there's some beautiful creation here. There's some beautiful things on the planet. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has even imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. And how many of you can say today that you're learning to love the Lord? Right? Can you say that? You're learning to love God? Then this is for you. Right? This, these promises are for you as a believer. It doesn't say for those who try to do good. It doesn't say for those who you know, live a righteous life, though that's part of it. The focus is on loving God. And for those of us that learn to love him and grow in him, he has incredible things to offer to us and our families, our children. What do you want to pass on to your children as you pass on from this earth. And you'll find the older you grow, the more you want to leave behind a legacy. The older you grow, the more you realize the most meaningful things in life are loving each other, caring for each other, supporting each other, helping one another when we have you know, needs. That's the most important things in life because there's nothing I'm taking with me. I came into the world naked and I'm going out the same way. I'm not taking anything with me. And so those of you that are getting older, you appreciate that a little more. And I want to tell you this. This is what I want to tell to those of you who are growing in the faith. The Bible says that his light... Have you ever seen a, a dimmer switch? You know, you can put it, you put it on, you can get a little bit of light. You know, picture that when you first come to Christ, the light comes on. And at that point, when you come out of darkness, that's incredible light. That's glorious that you can now see what's going on around you. But you keep on with that light, gets brighter and brighter and brighter... And for a believer, there should never be a time that we get to a place where we're insignificant. And I believe, and I shared that last time I was here, the devil was lying to many of God's elderly people that we don't have a purpose. And yet you should be filled with so much more illumination as you get older because you're growing in the truths of God. We've got generations that we want to pour into. And I believe when moves of God happen on the earth, it's because God has taken the collective prayers of the saints who have gone before us the grandmothers and grandfathers and elderly who prayed for this generation. And that's why you're in the faith in the midst of a corrupt culture around you. You ever consider that? You're in the faith because other people have prayed for you. Other people have blessed you. Other people have said, oh God, please, 
You know, look after my grandchildren. Let them know the light. Let them know the truth. How many of you today that have children are a little bit concerned about what your children could be facing? Like, we're in the most dangerous time we've ever been in on the, on the planet. And I say, I may pass through all that, get into the heavenly kingdom. But then I see Nathan and Vicky serving here and my grandchildren. I say, well, God, we need the ongoing revelation of Christ in the earth to preserve them through the darkness the Bible says is coming. And it's going to get darker. And you've seen it get darker in the last five, ten years. It's gotten really dark, really, really dark. But believers, we should be walking in that light, not threatened by anything around us because of who we know. And we walk in him. If we look around at the earth, we can become very discouraged. If you're meditating in his word, you're going to be illuminated. And so we offer hope where other people are frantic and fearful for their lives. There's more people going to come into the faith through struggles than there are when things are going well. And so even what's happening in the earth is great shaking. And I encourage you to join with the saints who are praying, God, shake what can be shaken. Shake the foundations that are faulty around us. Shake out everything. Do you know even governments today who thought they once had the answer, they'll tell you they don't have answers. Horizon Network, the health network in New Brunswick, we went to their meeting just to hear what they would say. And their opening statement was, we just want you to know here at Horizon, the health network in New Brunswick, we have no answers. That's what they said, their opening statement to my staff. And we all looked at each other, well, we know what the answer is. You know, and I told them, just be quiet, just listen to what their perspective is. So we're all sitting there looking at each other. And they said, all we can do, and this is the intellectuals of our land, all we can do is diagnose someone's mental and spiritual and emotional condition and then sedate them to some level of functionality. That's the answer of government. And they'll admit it. Doctors that don't know Jesus don't have the answers. They can help some things with the body, but they can't help with the emotional issues that people are traumatized by. We as believers have the answer. We do. And we're seeing every, everywhere we travel, there's cities everywhere I go where there's prayer, and it happened here again this morning. Everywhere I go where people are, take time to pray, are praying about their city, the homeless, is out of control. The drug culture is out of control. There's no hope, no present systems that are, that are fully functioning well and working. Little pockets of God's people that are working, working. And so what if we all those pockets of people begin to get together and say, you know what, we do know the answer. The answer is having Jesus Christ come into the interior of any human being. And that begins a process of transformation. True? Jesus alone, there's nothing else on the planet that is declared to have an answer today. Those that thought they had answers. Remember when the government went with um, excuse me, the housing first model? You heard about that the last five or six, seven years? We're going to take addicts and we're going to put them into housing and we're going to solve the problem of homelessness by putting them in apartments and housing. We're going to get them started. And now all those houses and apartments are filled with drugs and people not paying their rent. Because the issue is drugs, and the drugs is being used to sedate the real issues, which is trauma and pain that people have never faced. Right? And so the only answer is, is to get people into a setting where there's faith-filled people, praying with people, helping them deal with the inner roots to the trauma, learning how to forgive those that have abused them or traumatized them, learning how to forgive ourselves for the poor choices we made as a result of all the culture we grew up in, and then finding out that we have the power to live a new life. Amen? Amen? We have the power to live a new life if we're in the faith. But how many people maybe in the faith even are still struggling because we don't yet know who we are? 
Right? And this verse, and I want to encourage you to take this verse and pray it for the next little while and see what happens in your life. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. And the only condition is that we learn to love the Lord. And it's a mysterious presence. And people aren't going to get you. And that's okay. Do you want people to figure you out? Or would you rather be a bit of a mystery? You know what? I married a woman 40 years ago, and she's still a mystery to me. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously. No, I'm telling the truth. Men, there's a, a real help to your marriage. If your wife isn't everything you want her to be or think she should be, accept her as a mystery, and you'll begin to love her. Love your mystery. Because a wife is a mystery. True? That's a bit of a rabbit trail, but anyway. <laughs> anyway, my wife's a mystery. We're a mystery to the people around us. We can't figure it all out. Neither should we try to figure it all out. But if we look at this, no eye has seen. Lord, I haven't even seen it yet. I haven't heard it yet. My mind hasn't even imagined it yet. So Lord, what do you have for me? What truths, what do you have for my life to make a difference everywhere I go? Lord, how could you be revealed in my life that my life could change the atmosphere of any room that I walk into going forward? I used to walk into a room in the past and people would fear. There was always violence. There was always fighting. There was always stealing and pillaging. And from the time I've become a Christian, and I used to fight all the time. You'd have a hard time seeing that now because I'm a very peaceful man today. But I was always angry at everybody. And then I come to, and I could, my family would say to me, Cal, can't you go a month without getting into a fight with somebody? I said, well, if they wouldn't bother me the way they do, it'd be easy. You know, it would be my excuse. And I've been a Christian for 41 years this year, and I've never had an altercation with anybody. In 41 years. What happened was God came in, and I began to love people. And I would see them in the midst of their struggle. I've had people threaten to shoot me, kill me. That doesn't move me anymore because I know they're having a bad day. Same bad day I was having not too long before. People are having a bad day. But if they could get Jesus on the inside they would find the hope that I found. Even your worst enemy, picture your worst enemy coming to Jesus, you would love them. Because they become a brother. They become family. You don't have to love them the way they are. God doesn't love us in our, in our love what we were. He loves the new creation. You can have baptism today where people are dying to the old life and coming up as a new creation in Christ. Amen? A brand new life. So, but God, it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. The only way we can walk in any level of truth, it's an inner revelation. And you can't get it by studying with the mind. I love to say, you know, if you're a believer and you've been struggling intellectually, put your mind on bypass for a little while. Seriously, put your mind on bypass. You'll have a lot less stress in your life. You really will. Put your mind on bypass and ask the Lord to go right to your spirit with revelation that comes from heaven. And when you have revelation that comes from heaven, you'll see from a different perspective. You'll see from a whole new view because light has entered into your spirit. And when light enters into your spirit, you see everything different. You really do. But it was, revealed to, it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. For his spirit searches out everything. And you feel like nobody understands you? There's nobody that can understand you because you're so unique. They've not gone through what you've gone through. If they went through what you've gone through, they'd understand why you reacted the way you did. But you can't look to people to really comprehend you. I can't look to my wife to understand everything about me. I can't. And it's not fair to her. 
And it's not fair to her that I should understand her emotional conditions at times. There's some days I don't understand her at all. <laughs> I say, whoa, things were good last night and they're not today, and what's happened since then? You know, it's just, it's just it's, it's, the state of our emotions change. But God understands your entire spirit. She's leaving. Hope we didn't offend your <laughs> Love you, sweetheart. <clears throat> God understands your whole spirit. He understands your development. He really does. He understands you like no one else, no one else could. Right? And he says, no one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. So when you're looking for understanding from others and you're not getting it, you can go into a depression. You feel like you're not understood. People aren't getting you. And they can't fully. Nobody has lived through what you've lived through completely the way you've lived through it. Right? Nobody. We all have different, different times and things we go through things. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. But there's another mystery here. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. And we can only know it by revelation, by his spirit. And this is why I encourage you in all your studying, if you can change the way you study, it'll change your response. And what I mean by that, some people like to study intellectually. There's nothing wrong with that as long as you don't get stuck there. When you're reading... Read and meditate. Say, Lord, let truth come down into my spirit. When truths that you know in your head, which have no power to change you, by the way, how many know there's some things you shouldn't be doing it and you're still doing it? Knowing truth doesn't empower you to live it. Agreed? And if you want to understand that better, Romans 7, the good that I want to do, I'm still not doing it. The evil that I don't want to do, I'm still doing it. I don't even want to do it, but I'm still doing it. Why? There has to be a power from the inside. And he said, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. So you're never going to get it from an intellectual study, a transformed life. As good as learning can be, you'll never get a transformed life out of it. There's people that can send people to the moon and back. They can build rockets and warheads that can take out a nation. And their families are falling apart. People have intellectual capacities, but cannot... The intellectuals of our land. You know, tell them people. Give someone a clean needle. Give them this. Give them methadone. Give them all these things. Drugs can never answer drug dependencies with other drugs. It's never going to work. It never has worked. And when I read that, it made my, my stomach turn over. Jesus is what changes a person's inner being to walking in a new creation. Drugs, no matter what kind of drug dependency you will have, it'll never create a new being. It can't. All the counsel in the world will never create a whole new man. But the gospel, when it's believed on the inside, will. And there's millions of believers all over the earth that will testify to it. I'm a new creation. I'm a brand new man. Old things are passed away. I've been born again. More than a conqueror. That's who I am. I'm a new creation. I'm a brand new man. And I would sing that as a new believer. And I would have such joy singing it because I knew it. I had become a new man. And I was still inside for three years. So my, my atmosphere hadn't changed, but I was changing on the inside. And I found, I found freedom. So <clears throat> we, when we tell you these things, we do not use words that, that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. 
But people who aren't spiritual can't receive the truths that come from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them. And they can't understand it, for only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. The only way you can understand the things of God is by surrendering to Him. God is never going to let a man or a woman figure Him out. If you can't figure out your wife or your husband, how are you ever going to figure out God? Think about it. How is this little peanut brain ever going to figure out the God of the universe or why he does what he does? How are we ever going to get there? But but look what he says. (coughs) For only those who are spiritual can understand what the spirit means. Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things because we have the mind of Christ. And the mind of Christ is developed as we meditate on his truth, as we take time to read his word every day. If you need physical food every day to survive in your physical life, have you really considered that you need spiritual food every day to nurture your spiritual development? And when you do, you'll begin to have insights in your mind that will make you hugely successful. It'll change the way you lead your families. It'll change how men relate to their wives. An interior revelation of God's love for your wife. You know, when I accepted my wife as a mystery, and I mean I really did, God brought me to a place where he, he, he told me to accept her as a mystery. And it was just like flicking a switch. Once I began to accept her as a mystery, then I didn't have to figure her out. <laughs> then I could just start enjoying her. And when she had her bad days, I could just give her some space and go find some fellowship with the guy somewhere, go worship somewhere, and then come back and things were better. Because we don't know why we react the way we do. Why have you become a way better wife by surrendering to the presence of God? Fathers and mothers, you become a way better father and mother by letting the presence of God love your children through you. You become a way better, way, way better community member by letting God love your community. How many today are very concerned about your community? How many of us have a real concern what we see? I believe there's creativity in the people of God to collectively work together to transform a city. I believe that more and more. When people work separately in different pockets, a little bit gets done. But think if we come to an understanding that we're the body of Christ. We are the people of God. And we can work together to transform a community. And the government's going to be looking in on us and say, what are they doing? It's Jesus. You know, i got a plan for our city in Moncton called Ground Zero. I've been 35 years in mission work, and I've watched everything that's been done. I've created shelters, recovery houses. And all that works a little bit. But I believe God's given me a model by listening to him that's going to be very transforming, that people come into the midst of believers, and we're going to keep them for two weeks. And in two weeks, they're clean. They're coming to programs. They're being discipled. And then we're going to say after two weeks, if you want to go back to the shelters, you're welcome to go. Or do you want to stay and move on with this move forward community? And I know in my heart already they're going to want to stay in this move forward community. And I believe it's something that can be done just about anywhere. I do have some brochures at the back, by the way. I have a couple of letter, uh, newsletters and brochures that just share a little bit of our vision. It'll be up in two weeks, so wait two weeks. Our new website will be coming out. And I'm believing that God's going to collectively gather believers together in different communities to work together, and it's going to be through the glory of God. And and Jesus is going to be seen in our community. And how is he coming? Through the clouds of witnesses that are his people. Amen? We're going to see the glory of God transform lives.
But to you who are walking with the Lord, I wanted to give you that verse in closing. Let's close our eyes just for a minute one more time. And I want to read this to you, and I want you just to ponder this. Just close your eyes and shut yourself in with the Lord just for a minute. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his Spirit. And so I want you just to take a moment and just ask the Lord out of your own heart. Lord, I want to know what you have for me, for my life, for my family. And what would you have me to do with the rest of my life? Just go ahead and ask him that in your own heart. In your heart you long for a life of purpose and meaning and you know there's more. I know you know there's more. I know there's more. And just ask the Lord in your own heart, Lord, what do you have for me? If I'm missing anything, Lord, I want to know the truth. Lord, what do you have for my family? What do you have for this community that I could, that I could actively be involved in to help with transformation? And then if you're really willing and mean it, you say, Lord, whatever you reveal to me as truth for my life, I'm willing to follow it. If I can just know it's you, I'm willing to follow the path that you've laid out for me. I'm willing to follow the light, to walk in the light, as you are in the light. And so, Father, I just pray, Lord, for those that are reaching out to you right now, that you give them dreams, or dreams that are, that are vivid, dreams they remember, something that can move us forward into our next phase of life, successfully, because it's by your Spirit. And if you're carrying any guilt or shame that's holding you back, would you take a step of faith this morning and just say, Jesus, as you have forgiven me, I forgive myself for all my failures, all my broken relationships, all my foolishness. Lord, as you have forgiven me, I forgive myself this day. I want to walk in the new. I want to be a blessing everywhere I go. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Amen. <clears throat> May the Lord bless you. And I'm believing that he's going to pour out his, his revelation into your heart because you're willing. If, the, if there's a willing heart, God will reveal himself. And if I was to pour out water right here, it would immediately go to the lowest place in the room. So if you're asking him to fill you, he'll immediately go to the most humble place in your life. Amen. And then have the courage to act on what he shows you. And he'll do some great things, great things through you, your family, your church, and your life. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Thanks, Dad.